Hello, dreamers. This is Janine. And Stephanie. And this is the Course of Course episode 66. Welcome back, Steph. I am so excited to hear how the Boston Course in Miracles conference went. Well, we definitely blew the lid off the Omni Parker Hotel with love. <laughs> it was quite something. There was about 450 people there. We had the ballroom on the top floor. There were people from Australia, Germany, France, Colombia. Um, Japan was a huge contingency with even a translator for most of the seminar breakout rooms. I got to meet people from all over and sit with them at lunch or dinner. Uh, coincidences would happen like one time I was sitting next to someone who's been to Paralandra, the garden place that I'm so into, and has like a bunch of tomato starts growing and is just gives plants away. And he was on the cruise with Gary and Jackie and Cindy and Mark years ago. Joe, a shout out to you from West Virginia. And then another lunchtime, I just happened to sit in an empty seat, and it's this gal, Louisa, who is going to be speaking with Maria Felipe on Instagram Live. We just booked it, and out of, you know, anyone I could have sat next to, it was her. <laughs> so these interesting coincidences would occur, and I feel like lots of healing was happening. Um, I loved meeting the different groups of people. That was my first conference and it was put on by the community miracle center out of San Francisco area. The uh, Reverend Tony with his gold team of stars. Most of them are all reverends. They were the ones that actually managed the day-to-day -day details of the conference and tickets are on sale for the next one. It's going to be here in Los Angeles, also at the Omni in downtown LA. It's the same weekend, which is Memorial day weekend. And they'll have excursions if people want to get out to the beach or up to Hollywood or things like that. So of all the speakers that were there that you attended, can you give us an idea of which are the ones that really lit you up, that you were so excited to hear from them? Well, Maria always has a lot of energy and excitement and passion. So I always love to see Maria. But I had not seen Maureen Maldoon in person give A Course in Miracles talk. I've heard her on podcasts. I've seen her on videos. I've even seen one person plays with her in person. But to experience the way she tells stories and the healing of her own life and sharing it, you know, like that authenticity is sexy kind of phrase. Like She had this story, which is true, that her husband had an affair with Miss Universe. Talk about blowing your mind of your ego of not being enough or whatever, that your husband has to go to like the best one of the world or whatever in the situation. You know, in the ego world for women, that's gotta be like the worst case scenario. My husband left me for Miss Universe. How do you compete with something like that? Exactly. <laughs> And it took her a long time to find something good to think about him. But as soon as she connected with her inner kindness teacher and started working on it, she could think of one thing 
And then another positive thing came. And then another positive thing came. And then she's like, wait a minute. I remember when I was like 19 years old, pregnant with someone else's child, when this man came and wanted to be my partner and raise this child with me. Like what a holy gift he gave to her at that moment where they both got to come together. And granted, they were both codependent and they were resonating to each other. But, you know, it's just it's so beautiful how our inner teacher will help us to heal our minds when we're ready. And it really takes willingness. You know, that story to me is a perfect example of how I'm always looking for teachers that have experiences where they can apply it. Right. Because it's one thing listening to people talk about the course and reading books, etc. And, you know, there are those who may consider themselves um, kind of like a leader or a teacher, quote unquote. But it's like Maureen's experience where that is a real world, real life situation that she had to work on using the course to get over and get past so she can, you know, find her own holiness and her own ability to like forgive herself and whatever else constituted that experience for her. I love hearing these stories because I'm always one that just says, how do they do it? It's one thing standing up and giving a a sermon or whatever. It's a completely other thing, having to walk the talk. So anytime I hear these great stories of people actually walking the talk with the course, that is what juices me up. I agree. Here's another one. Um, Craig Villarubia and Karen Zipko did a lecture together. And Karen's new book, From Anxiety to Love, a radical new approach for letting go of fear and finding lasting peace. And the four words by Dr. Bob, he also spoke. So we got to see him in a breakout room as well. And um, from anxiety to love, there's one thing, there's a lot of things that stuck with me and I've been sharing about it like crazy. But one thing that hit me a little bit differently is however, whoever we're based in our mind with, whoever we're located with love or fear That's how the world's going to show up. So she was explaining that the world's either going to show up as a witness to our fear or a witness to our love. And that was just like, wow. That is really powerful. Like, of course it has to show up to support the crazy thoughts. So that's all we're thinking. It goes back to the course proclamation, really, of um, your outer world is a condition of the projection of your inner world. So whatever's going on in your life, it's because you're projecting it. Gary Renard and Cindy Renard were one of the keynote speakers at the conference, and the place was packed. And you can tell, and I heard people talking, like people were getting the course in a different level than they had, had they not experienced them yet. So that was a huge breakthrough in healing, too, I think, for the mind. When you say it was a packed house, what are you talking, like a couple hundred people? Oh, this is like 450 people in a, in the top floor ballroom with crystal chandeliers and windows everywhere. Yeah, because there's other times when someone would be in that room and it wouldn't be as full. But for them, it was packed. Everybody wanted to see them. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating how different energy plays in a room. So clearly these are, you know, pretty advanced spirits both cindy and gary renard 
watching a crowd react to that kind of energy is really nice and really interesting. Not that the other people who were in that ballroom weren't, you know, as advanced or whatever, but I do find that we as spiritual beings kind of really get um, entrained to those who we feel um, aligned to. And with Gary and Cindy, they're, they're just amazing human beings regardless. When I say human beings, I mean that in quotes. They're amazing spiritual beings, you know, God incarnate as we all are, but they really have become so self-actualized. And that's one of the reasons you and I have had such an honor to know them in, in our current lifetime. In the e-blast they sent out as a follow-up to the conference with the survey, they had some snaps from the conference. They picked maybe four pictures. And the first picture is me, Cindy, and Gary. I know. I was so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, out of all the pictures, there I am. I didn't even know. Cindy forwarded it to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I got this email. I just didn't open it. Um, I also got to experience John Mundy in a, in a breakout room. He was awesome. I remember him from the ARE. Oh, from the ARE. Okay. Because I remember hearing about him, you know, as a course kind of teacher uh, through Gary Renard's Disappearance of the Universe. Yeah, he was one of the first teachers yeah. to help explain it. And um, he had this lovely story of how him and his wife have been married forever and they, they live in a rural area. And their favorite thing to do is just to go out on the porch at the end of the day and just sit there in silence and just be and listen to nature, the birds, the frogs, and they don't even have to say anything to each other. I just thought that sounded so beautiful. But I do want to talk about a series of books that aren't really getting as much play in the course community um, that I would like to see, but that is the giant, we've talked about this before, Way of Mastery uh, three book series. I understand from you that that book itself, was it in the, like the bookstore at this conference? It was indeed. They rent a room and they order the books from the publishers for everyone speaking, which is good because then the speakers don't have to lug a bunch of books. They mm -hmm. take care of that for them. And they had different tables with additional, you know, material. And that hard book of all three books was there. I was happy to see it. I talked to a lot of people about Jayam. A lot of people have read it and are into it. You know, some people think it's not as pure non-dualistic. I don't have any issues with that. I think you see what you want to see. <laughs> and I find a lot of wonderful teaching from the way of mastery. Well, as listeners of this podcast know by now, I've read this series a few times and I have not seen any instance, you know, that it's dualistic in its teaching or anything like that. It is one of the most purest things I've ever read. Um, we were talking before about how it's fascinating the way people interpret things like you just said and why, you know, and sometimes there may be some bias when we originally went to our very first course in miracles conference, there was some bias that we had noticed against disappearance of the universe. And we were so new to the whole thing. We didn't really know what was going on, but you know, I do find it fascinating that even with a group of students who clearly are looking to forgive and, and transcend and move on. There's still that ego piece of us collectively where we make pretty quick judgments on authors or books or whatever. 
I think it's a, I wouldn't say delightful, but I do get some slight enjoyment by looking at that because it helps me remember, you know, don't judge an author or a book just because you might have heard something. I think there is nuggets in everything. And although we might not really entrain to certain authors or certain speakers, that's totally fine. I mean, we all have preferences, but it's really been a nice little lesson for me to remember. And I'm trying to apply this to my life in general, that just because someone else has an opinion on something doesn't mean I need to accept that opinion for myself. I do hope, and it is becoming a PSA, but I do hope for those of you who haven't read the Way of Mastery series, if you, you give it a chance, I think it would be well worth it. I finished the last chapter of the third book on the airplane coming back. Oh, <laughs> that is excellent reading time for those of you on planes. I do a lot of my reading while I'm sitting there, usually from DFW to Los Angeles and back. That's my little library in the sky. I highlighted a couple things I could read really fast from Jayam in the book three. A master has no choice but to serve, but to serve not from duty, but from joy. The greatest joy can be to extend the good, the holy, and the beautiful. You will discover that you will indeed be well supported, and all the events that occur are merely opportunities to deepen your capacity for wisdom, peace, and for the love to create within yourself a conduit for the extension of the greater love into the world. And it just seems like that, you know, all we have to do is remember who we are and not believe that we are separated from God. Like, I'm just dreaming. I'm the observer. I can step back a little bit. And that's where you allow things to just happen and try not to judge and try and keep remembering that everything's the same. And even though it might feel like, I wish my lover would come over sooner he said he was going to be here. Where is he? Like the body's screaming, what's going on here? He doesn't like me, like making it mean something and just being able to go, hey, wait a minute. That's just the ego trying to spin me off and keep me separate from my brother. Like it's through my brother that I get salvation. I get to remember who I am. So I just give it over. And special relationships tend to be everything. Our ego experience in this incarnation. And you kind of touched upon it that, you know, we get so attached to certain things and we want things right when we want them and if they don't happen or kind of like unfold the way we want them to then we have to find a scapegoat we have to say oh it's that person and like you said we often pull it back on ourselves like oh that what they're doing now they just don't love me they don't care enough about me all of a sudden it's like this victim thing right so it's either judgment or being a victim it all is wrapped up in fear and, and not love, but special relationships are everything in our world. It's not just with another person. It's a special relationship with my cat, a special relationship with um, favorite food that I want to have for dinner or whatever. I mean, anything that there is this, there's one thing about preference, but there's another thing when you get to attach to something that you start making decisions around that attachment. Or you start reacting based on that attachment. A big one for me is my work environment. I feel like every day I go into work, if it wasn't for the course, I think I'd really be in trouble. But every day I go into work and there's always something that seems to trigger me on an ego level. So I have brought 
the giant books. I've actually um, have been listening to some of the Gary Renard material because it does help me recenter when I'm in a situation where somebody is pinging my ego or I'm operating out of fear. Stephanie, I was telling you this weekend, I was doing a lot of work and when I really reflect on that, why am I spending so much weekend time on work? And I think one of the kind of like underlying motivations is because I'm afraid that if I don't do it, then someone will see that I'm not as good as they may have believed I was before. Or I'm afraid if I don't accomplish this, then someone else will step in and do it because it has to be done and Janine failed. So I am going through an awful lot of unpacking lately. Where's my fear? What? Why am I feeling this way? What is motivating me? I also have a special relationship. I've talked about on this podcast, um, romantic, quote unquote, special relationship. And I've been going through a lot of soul searching on that one. If this is not a relationship that is completely serving me, what am I doing? Why, why am I in it still? And, and you, Stephanie, made a really good point the other day that I began a special relationship before I really got into the course. It's been a fairly long relationship. I'm a different person now. And some of the reasons why I entered into a special relationship, you know, they might not currently exist anymore. So there's been a lot of thank you for the course allowing me to go introspective and figure out, okay, well, this is not a fun thing to do. I don't really enjoy kind of looking at my fears at all. Uh, but I also understand that it's necessary. And the reality is I don't always have the answers. I may be afraid of something and I'm not quite sure why. So it might be a little while for me to kind of unpack that and figure it out. But if I don't address it or I don't begin to address it, then I can't get to the other side. And the reason why in my heart, and I think this is probably for you too, Stephanie, that I came into this existence is because I wanted this one to be my last if it doesn't happen this time, I hope it's going to happen pretty soon because I am dedicated to this. I might not be a great student. I'm definitely not an A student, but I'm going to keep going. I'm probably a C minus, sometimes a <laughs> D plus. I don't know, but I'm going to keep keep working at it. It has been quite the ego journey. And frankly, I was beating myself up because I'm just not great at it. And it's sort of like when I was younger, I was a figure skater and I remember going around that rink. I was very young, going around that rink and going around that rink and falling. I probably fell, I don't know, 50, 100 times in a session, but I kept doing it and I got pretty good. But then you get to a point where it becomes too expensive and, you know, you move on. But I remember those days. I also remember those days playing softball and not being very good at it and just keep working. It's the exact same thing. It's a muscle. You have to keep being committed to it. And sometimes it's not as much fun when you're learning something. It isn't a blast. You're falling all the time like I did when I was skating. Eventually, I could stand up. Eventually, I could do the turns and the spins and the jumps. But, man, there was a lot of pain before that. It, it was worth it, though, because I remember how excited I was when I landed my first jump. I thought, oh, my God, how did I do this? <laughs> because I was committed because I kept doing it. It's the same thing with the course. Every day is an opportunity to like land the jump. Practice, practice, practice. 
The other thing I think is something that we all experience when we're dealing not just with special relationships, but with other people in our life, the immediate judgment that happens. Oh, this person is, you know, this person is um, they're too needy. This person you know, it's crazy. That's another one. We, we call each other crazy a lot. How do I stop doing that? Because all I'm doing is calling myself that. So it's like now I recognize it. So when it comes out, I feel guilty because it does. I will label somebody that and then I go, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why don't you just call that person crazy? That just means you're crazy. You know, let's calm down here. <laughs> let's get back on track. It's very easy to get off track if you're not being conscious because you it's you know muscle memory it's kind of like behavior pattern steps in if you're not conscious about it i think that self talk is one of the most critical tools that can help us undo the mind you know it can either be for fear and hate talking to us or it can be the loving part of us so it's 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 like i want to get to my right mind as quick as possible tune in with that inner therapist as Corinne calls it and get some guidance. And in that moment is when I get the freedom. But I, I kind of feel like, you know, just being in the body, which is a special relationship, being in the world, which is a special relationship, we're healing all of it. And until I'm vibrating at disappearing, it's just going to keep happening. So I just need to be gentle on myself and not judge it. Like, it's okay if I have a bad thought. It's going to happen. It's the design of the world. But the power to choose again comes quicker, faster, and I have more peace. I love what you said. Self-talk is so important. So important. Because I can talk myself into some very dark place. Or I can talk myself into communion with God. I have that choice at any moment. Yes. There's a practice that we learned in the presenter series that has also an interesting story. We were tasked to come up with I am Christ and the words for each of the letters. So, for instance, I am Christ, C. I am calm. I am collected. I am connected to Christ. H. I am healing, happy, helpful. R. I'm right-minded and radiant. I. I'm irresistible, iridescent interesting with integrity. S, I'm sunshine. T, I'm truth, teachable, and tenacious. So I'm drilling this in. Like these are little tools that we can come up with, tricks to help us. And I'm in this great space and I've got my water jugs in the back of the car and I'm pulling up to the co-op and there's perfect empty parking. I'm like, yay, I can park right behind the machine and easily get my jugs into the car. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this Uber driver decides to cut across the parking lot and is an inch from my car as I'm backing up. And the F words are flying out of my mouth like, what the heck is this guy doing? And it's like I had my peace and then I lost my peace that quick. It can happen that quick. And that's really where the muscle memory comes in. We were saying that traffic triggers a lot of people it triggers me it's funny how quickly and I think there's something about the anonymity being in your car in traffic that you feel like it's okay to start screaming expletives at people mm-hmm. who may cut you off or whatever I'm trying to be calmer not that I was ever too crazy in the car but it does feel like in the car 
I have some sort of immunity to spirituality or something. Although I, I use the car to also listen to podcasts that are spiritual. So the car is a fascinating vehicle for me. It's like this little bubble um, that kind of allows me to behave in a certain way and then go, okay, let's pull this back. We talked in the last podcast how it I am on the right path, but I'm still kind of reacting first. And then once I see my reaction, then I pull back and go, okay, that wasn't cool. It happened to me yesterday. I was at the grocery store. It was storming outside or beginning to storm. And I really didn't want to be caught outside if it was going to be bad weather. I'm, I'm less concerned about tornadoes and that's some strange. Just because I grew up in Ohio, we had a lot of them. What I don't like is hail. Not, not that it was personally hurtful to me. I just didn't want my car to get hit with hail. You know, we have hailstorms here in Texas. So I'm in the grocery store. And I just want to get a few things and get out. This is a grocery store that is a rare thing these days. It does not have check self-checkouts. So you have to go to a lane. It was at a time when there were an awful lot of people there and they didn't have a lot of lanes available. I had like two items and I was getting so frustrated because I just wanted to get in and get out, get into my car, bring it into the garage. I wouldn't get hailed on because in my drama, of course, we didn't get any hail, but that was going on in my head. <laughs> so, you know, I'm starting to get really, really agitated because I couldn't check out my, you know what I mean? Like, this is so silly and ridiculous. And, you know, there are people who have gone, who are going through so much stuff that is like serious. And here I am complaining because I can't check out fast enough. <laughs> you know it's like that's what happens I had the immediate reaction of having this anxiety like what what you know I want my thing right when I want it and you need to be ready for me and then I had to back up and go okay you need to relax and as soon as I got that then again I felt that guilt of you know come on what do you do why do you keep persisting in this behavior so you know I think it's easy and like you experienced at the co-op when you were parking and someone kind of like was right behind you it's those triggers, right? We're in such a good place and we're spiritual and everything's great. And then boom, you know, it's just another opportunity that we have presented to ourselves to say, you know what? That's cool. You learn something. Now, the next time, maybe you won't be as quick as you were, you know, with the reaction. I'm still waiting for that moment. But again, like we were saying, you just have to keep keep trying. And I think it's okay. Like, I'd like to invite you to watch how you jump to to putting yourself down mm-hmm. because there's no reason to. That's just, that's just hurting us. It's hurting yeah. our mind. Yeah, like, like, it's okay that it happened because that's a natural response in this crazy world. Just bless it. Just like mm-hmm. love it. And then maybe it will start turning to being more love. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't remember if we heard this from a Gary Renard talk or if it was some other medium, but I remember hearing that when someone goes through the process and gets to the point where they're enlightened um, or transcendent or whatever, everything changes for them. It's like an imperceptible change where they're still them. You would recognize them. It's just they're calmer, peaceful. You know, it's like a very... Um, subtle kind of transformation that goes on. And I was thinking the other day that I would really 
like to just keep focusing on that. Like, what would it be like? How would that feel to one day wake up and be, oh, wow, I'm seeing things differently today, you know? Yeah, and it can happen at any moment. It's not necessarily something in the future. It's right. just now because all there is is now. So just remembering that we're the love, challenging our mind in the moment through that self-talk and even demanding it if you need to. Like get really rigorous with my ego sometimes and being like, you know, thank you for sharing, but this is not who I really am. I am love and I'm light and I'm not a body. I'm free, you know, and I just start drilling my little core sayings that I've memorized. We are attached to the past and because of that attachment we feel guilty about it and we are attached to the prospect of the future we are afraid of it and what Jayam is saying is the past and the present I'm sorry the past and the future don't exist the only thing that exists is the present but that's how kind of like messed up our minds are that we cling to the past for some reason, like we have this attachment to it that doesn't exist. And we use that um, kind of like as guilt against us. And then in the future, we're attached to the possibility of things, the expectation or whatever. And then, you know, we get to the point where we get so fascinated or fixated on what could happen, it turns into fear. So it's either guilt or fear. It's like, you were saying before, but the present is really love. We just have to accept it. Yeah, it's like everything's based on our past. So going forward in the world, whether it's, oh, I got to get to the store or what time is my friend coming over? Like everything is kind of how we're holding it is based on how it showed up in the past. Mm-hmm. Past informs everything. So to be able to in the moment go like, I don't choose the past. I don't choose the future. I just choose this one instant, holy instant, you know, let your direction give me peace. That's all I choose. I think what I'd like to do, um, and I think I'd like to do it tomorrow in the work environment, is see how long, just as a little experiment, that I can stay in the present not worry about something in the past or not blame anyone because I have experienced something with them in the past and not be concerned about what's going to happen, you know, in the future, whether the near future or the, you know, distant future and just see how long I can really remain conscious in the present. I think that will be fascinating just as an observation. I love it. And you'll have a touchstone like either your giant book or, Bring something else just to remind you, because we're going to forget, you know, one second later, and then we're going to remember, and then I'm going to forget. Exactly. It's just going to be a dance back and forth. But I think just from an exercise, if I can just keep going on that, even if I can only do it for a brief moment, mm-hmm. and just keep focusing on expanding the moment and, and see how long I can stay in that state. The reason why I'm talking about it at work is because we're probably all like this at home. It's a little easier to say in a spiritual space because there's not as much kind of pinging us. Sure. For me, when I go into work, it's, it's less of a sacred space. Let's just put it that way. So my job tomorrow, my only job tomorrow, ironically 
is to find that sacred space in the work environment. Lisa Natoli was training us in this 30-day challenge to show up as Christ, to remember that we're not a body, that we're love as we're moving through the world. And I had an epiphany because I thought that I was either going to be working for God through the course teachers that I'm serving right now, or I would have to go back to entertainment and be in that whole corporate setting again, which I'm not so sure I want to do. And I had it like it was an either or. And then I was like, wait a minute. God goes with me wherever I go. I'm a light of the world no matter what I'm doing. It's not about how it shows up in form, mm-hmm. in the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What blows me away is that we are all with God. Right now, we're all with God. And so there are those moments where we kind of remember briefly, oh, yeah, I am God. And then we go back into our own little ego world. So it's like those moments, because I know that you and I have had them independently where we feel like we're one with God. Every day. Every day. It'll be nice when those moments become more together. Yeah, a day, a week, you know, that would be mind blowing and (laughs) the ultimate gift, really. Where the practice comes in. Exactly. I have one last thing to Mm -hmm. add as a tip from the workbook lessons. I was just reviewing number 75 and 76 about the light has come and I'm under no laws, but God's. And so I was thinking of the situation and bringing the person with me into the light so that we could see the situation together. Cause I wasn't necessarily feeling ping so much, but I could tell that they were. And so even though it wasn't pinging me, there's a part of me that is being pinged because they wouldn't be showing up that way. So Mm -hmm. even though it was a little bit unconscious, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to bring the whole thing into that light and just see it with God and not make it mean anything that they're wrong and I'm better or like it's just the unconscious guilt coming out and I'm just asking for healing, Mm -hmm. asking for healing. (laughs) That's great. Really good tip. All right. Well, this is a good conversation today. Yay, thank you. Well, I'm glad that you went to the conference and it was great to hear how it went. And we will keep everyone up to date on our journey as we move through our physical existence. And we look forward to bringing you another episode in a few weeks. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.